Rusty Quill presents. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey guys, Patreon, you know what it is? Patreon.com slash woe underscore begone. At $100, the Patreon is getting a spin-off podcast called The Diary of Eliza Schultz. It's in the style of the intermission episode that we just had. Here's the name of 10 patrons starting in reverse alphabetical order. Wei Ying, Tracy, Toasty Warm Hamster, Sophie, Sai, Sean Ability, S.R. Jenkins, Risky Coffee, Plumule, and Paul S. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Enjoy. This episode contains a discussion about death. Listener discretion is advised. Wobegon's told in order. There's references to season one in this episode, so go back and listen to those if you haven't yet. I'm always two steps ahead. That's my secret. People come to me all the time and ask, Mike Walters, you're always ready for whatever's coming at you. What's your secret? P.S. You're so handsome. I don't know how you do it. They say it just like that. And they're right. I'm always two steps ahead, that's my secret. And by having perfect eyebrows. I don't pluck them or anything, I was just born with them. I'm only kidding about some of that. I really am always two steps ahead. But being two steps ahead is a metaphor commonly regarded as being about chess. And if you read interviews from Magnus Carlsen, arguably the best chess player in the world, you'll find that he claims that he is anywhere from 8 to 15 steps ahead at any given point during a chess match. 
That doesn't mean simply knowing a linear set of 15 moves that will definitely play out, but rather knowing a set of alternate realities in which many different things could happen, then mapping every single one of those out across 15 moves. It requires someone who is smart enough to have the capacity to do that, dedicated enough to spend hours every day learning chess, and experienced enough that it isn't all just theoretical to them. Magnus Carlsen is smarter than everyone, and he works harder than everyone. That's his secret. I resent people that are smart and work hard. Like, that's cheating. Wobegon is a relatively new game compared to chess. It is also a relatively new game compared to Don't Wake Daddy, a Hasbro board game from my childhood whose jingle remains forever implanted in my head. That is to say that it is incredibly new. It's the Wild West out here. I mean that in the sense that not everything in the game has been tried or discovered, but also that this whole season has taken place in the western United States. I'm basically a cowboy. Yeehaw. At least chess and Don't Wake Daddy both have rules that you're told before you start the game. The horse moves in an L shape. The bishops move diagonally. If you push the alarm clock too many times, you have to go back to the start, I think? I think that's how Don't Wake Daddy works. My piano teacher's kid had it when I was growing up, and that's the only time I ever got to play it. I don't think having to successfully play Rainbow Connection from the Muppets on piano in order to start the game is in the rulebook, though I can't be certain. Does Wobegon have rules? You do what they tell you to do. Does that count as having rules, or are those just considered orders? The first few challenges seem to be the same or similar for everyone, though curated for each person to ensure their continued involvement. That feels like a rule set. There is a condition under which you fail. However, there doesn't seem to be a condition under which you unequivocally win. Following the rules gets you deeper into the game and, theoretically, closer to the end of the game, but the end of the game hasn't been described. It's like if you were playing Candyland and the board stretched on forever in one direction, and the instructions assured you that if you spun the dial enough times and progressed far enough, eventually you'd be able to see the end. Sorry to add another game to the bag of metaphors. There are games where the rules are arbitrary, where they're made up on the spot by players or changed mid-game by a person running the game, or even as a stipulation within the game itself, like a card that changes the end conditions. What a game is can be nebulous, and at some point it stops making sense to try and nail down the edge cases as being one way or the other. My concern with this definition shell game, if you will, of what constitutes a game and how it interacts with Wobegon is that I am expected to keep playing. No matter what happens, no matter who shows up at my door and tells me what the rules are, I am to keep playing under threat of severe penalty. I get that games can be serious, that they can be life or death, and that they can be unfair. Russian Roulette is a game. But at what point do I decide that I'm not playing a game anymore, and change my tactics to better reflect my reality? The stronger player is always lucky, and this is Wobegon.
The best laid plans of mice and men are often interrupted by someone showing up at the first gate to Old Brush Valley and asking to see Mike Walters. That John Steinbeck sure was ahead of his time when he penned that aphorism. After spending a wonderful evening with Marissa, and then a whole weekend spent trying to get my sleep schedule back to normal after pulling that all-nighter, my plan was to investigate the strange things on her patrol route that she was distracted from protecting while she was shooting me. These locations were on the other side of some formidable gates, so I was going to need to come up with a scheme if I was going to get past them. Getting through the entrance of the second main gate was a wash, as far as I could tell. Even if I could get in, I was pretty sure that there were guards on the other side that wouldn't let me go any further than that. The strange set of boulders was not guarded from inside the gate, though. If I could just find a way to get around that gate without making it obvious that it had been breached, I thought that I stood a good chance of figuring out what was going on in there. It seemed like a prime location for someone to break into that wouldn't take too long or make too much noise. Distracting Marissa would have been enough. That is, of course, if those boulders aren't secretly giant robots who will spring into action and obliterate me if I make it to the other side of the gate. Little did I know that it was myself that would end up being distracted this time. Before I could make any moves to enact my nefarious plan, I got a call from Charlie at the gate. I'm sure that she lives a rich inner life and probably has friends and a personality, but I only ever hear from her when somebody's shown up at Old Brush Valley to bother me or inform me that I have died. I dread hearing her voice. I do not want visitors. Hey, Mikey, there's a guy at the gate that says that he knows you. He says his name is Ryan. Should I let him in? She asked. Okay, well, first, I hate that the nickname Mikey is catching on. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It makes me feel like a child. Michael is bad, too, but at least it has an adult air to it. Mike is the perfect fit for my personality. A short little stab of a name with a bit of an edge at the end. Mike. It also means that Marissa has been talking to other people about me, which I don't appreciate. I'm trying to be secretive out here, and she's blabbing my business to people that she knows. I just want to be a recluse that nobody ever sees or interacts with, damn it. No one needs to start putting together the Mike Walters puzzle pieces. Secondly, I only know one Ryan. Oh shit, I know two Ryans, but one of them, codenamed Shadow, already has clearance to enter the gate, so I know that it's not him. I forgot his real name for a moment. I'm not a fan of this Ryan. Ryan is the source of all of my pain. He is the game runner. He is the god whose thumb I squirm under. He's the guy that I ghosted on a dating app and now is part of my life against my will anyway. Ultimately, I want to usurp Ryan as King of Wobegon and render him powerless. Or just kill him? I don't know. That seems like an inevitable outcome from this whole process, but I've never said it out loud before. Don't let him in, Charlie. I'll come to you. I groaned and made my way to the front gate. Right away, I could tell that Ryan looked different. He was so confident the first time that I met him, even though I had just taken his right-hand man hostage and was violently demanding answers. He didn't look scared or mad or anything like that, but he didn't look like a force to be reckoned with either. Still, he smiled at me when he saw me approach the gate. Nice digs, Mike. Mind if I see him up close? He asked. Uh, not today. I'm not in the mood for a tour. Hey, let's, let's chat, though. There's a diner just down the road here that has a killer biscuit and gravy platter, I said while making my way to the outside of the gate. I gave Charlie a friendly wave, and then I was off to my second Wobegon and gravy combo meal. I had eaten at this diner a few times at this point, and the staff were friendly. I felt like I was on home turf. We jumped right into conversation. Why are you here, Ryan? I asked. Chris is dead, Ryan said casually through a mouthful of scrambled eggs. What? How? And you didn't bring him back? 
Mm. Don't know. And why would I bring him back? He said and scrolled through his phone until he found a picture. See, there's his body. That was an accurate description of what he was showing me. Holy shit, put that away. I believe you. Jesus. What happened? I asked. No idea. After I lost control of the game, he ended up dead. Doesn't bother me any, but I couldn't bring him back if I tried, Ryan said. You're not in control of the game anymore? That's why I'm here, actually. They wrestled the game away from me a little after we first met in person. I think Flinch did it. Once I got it off the ground, he took it for himself, he said. I haven't been part of whatever this is at all. I only have a partial idea of what's going on out here. While I had no reason to trust Ryan, I could believe this. After the first four challenges, the orders from the Game Runners became less focused on violence for its own sake, and more targeted at infiltrating and discovering what was going on in Old Brush Valley. If the game changed hands, that would explain the sudden shift. But why would you come to me if you lost the technology? I asked. Because I want it back. I know that you have it. I know you have access, he said. I want to be cut back in. I stared at him, bewildered. I have no idea what you're talking about, I said. He looked me straight in the eye, evaluating my reaction for a moment. You really don't know what I'm talking about. But that shit with Matt, that trick you pulled, he said. Matt? What? When you convinced him to let you complete the fourth challenge. Wait, have you actually not done that yet? When will you do it? He asked. I didn't convince him. Something happened, I said. Oh, I get it. I must have mistimed this conversation, but cat's out of the bag now, Ryan said. You're saying that that night it was me, I asked. Yep, seeing someone pop in from the future makes for an extremely compelling argument. I should know, I've done it a few times, he said. That was me, I said. I showed up to convince Matt to let me kill him. Showing up was proof that I had the technology and that I could use it to bring him back later, I said. I have had so many revelations while eating biscuits and gravy at this point, it's unbelievable. Bingo, Ryan said. That makes more sense than you helping me out, which is what I thought happened, I said. Yeah, I'd never do that, he said. But that means that I win the game, I said. Which is why I'm here, he said. But I haven't won yet, I'm not even doing well. I'm injured and weak from doing poorly, actually, I said. I noticed, he said. No offense, but you look like shit. I had a rumble with a bear and not in the fun metaphorical way, I said. A bear that disappeared after it was done with me, by the way. And you're saying it wasn't you that did that? Could have been you. I don't know anything about this place. The game was ripped away from me before whoever it was shipped you out here. It wasn't my idea. Have you found anything interesting here yet? Well, this place is as bizarre as it gets, and they protect whatever is inside more fiercely than Area 51, I said. But that's all I'm telling you. Why would I tell you anything? You don't have power over me anymore. Oh my god, you don't have power over me anymore. You don't have anything to offer me. It felt good to say that Ryan had no power over me. For so long, I had lived in his shadow, acting on what I thought was his whim, hoping one day that I could wriggle out from underneath him. Now he's just a guy. How do you think that you get access to Wobegon? Ryan asked. I don't know, but you want me to believe that it's you, I replied. No, I don't know either. It might have nothing to do with me. But you think that you do it on your own? Do you think that you do it by continuing to do what you're doing out here? You made me saw my left arm off, I said indignantly. And I don't regret it. I'm not auditioning to be your friend, Mike. I think we would mutually benefit from working together. 
If things were working out for either of us working solo, I wouldn't have shown up and you probably wouldn't have answered. I have knowledge into what the underpinnings of the game are. I wrote the damn thing. I have an idea of what they know and what they don't know, albeit not perfect knowledge. I was just writing code that someone else executed for me, but that's so much more than you have right now. At least when your body was being ripped apart in my game, I told you ahead of time what was going to happen. That doesn't bring me any solace, and I still don't understand what you can do for me, I said. You're fact-finding out here, right? In order for you to find facts for them, you have to get your hands on them first. That's a huge vulnerability for them. Have you found any stuff that you don't know what it means yet? He asked. Things out here are on a need-to-know basis, I said. I don't think that you need to know them. If it's something I can crack, we can generate some momentum here, Ryan said. I can make progress if you give me information. You can make progress if I can solve whatever encryption they're using. Honestly, I don't think you have any reason not to trust me. Or at least you don't have any reason to fear me. At some point, you're going to win the game. Or take over the technology, whatever that looks like at the point that you do it. That does not appear to be preventable. I certainly don't have the tools to prevent what you end up doing. Whatever happens between the two of us will ultimately lead to you having this power. You make it out the other side of this thing alive. That's a good point. Look, I don't see why I have to make a decision now. I'll reopen communication with you and give it some more thought. If I decide to work with you, I will send you some test information and see if you can decrypt it. If you fail, I'll assume that you ran off with the info and aren't going to be of any use. If you decrypt it and it's something that I can use, then we can talk about cooperation. I am not in a hurry. If I start to get rushed, I reserve the right to change the rules of engagement at any time. Sounds fair, Ryan said. Putting that aside, why do you think they killed Chris? I asked. He was inserting himself into a lot of games. They probably just didn't want him meddling with them after they kicked me out from running it. Hell, it could have been someone playing the game who killed him to protect himself. It wouldn't be the first time. I just wasn't at the wheel to turn around and fix it this time, he said. Okay, last question. Who are they? I asked. Someone with better operation security than me, that's for sure, Ryan said. I'm secretive. I barely ever operate on the right side of the law, but even I get lazy. Even I have blind spots in my vision that keep me from operating 100% anonymously and safely. I have to take calculated risks to get what I want. Sending code to flinch was a calculated risk, but there wasn't any way around it. It was the only way to get access. That's how it all got taken away from me. Whoever is further up the chain than I am has the power to afford to be able to not take those risks, or is smarter and more capable than me, and can eliminate these risks through pure skill. Well, when you put it that way, we sound completely screwed, I said. The only way that I know that you're not is that I was running the game when you came from the future and convinced Matt to let you complete the challenge, he said. I might still be screwed. I'm just trying to mitigate losses at this point. Well, then it seems like we are meeting each other where we are, I said, standing up from the table. I will contact you to let you know where I ended up landing on this whole thing. I think you've said all you needed to say. I'm sure you'll make the right decision, he said, also standing up. One piece of advice for a fellow traveler, keep some hot sauce or smelling salts or something in your pocket, anything that gives a big blast of sensory information. It's way easier to get your plans done if you have a clear head. The travel can put you in a daze. That's smart. I'll remember that, I said. We parted ways. I made my way back to the front gate of Old Brush Valley Energy and Resources alone, ruminating on the conversation. The wind had picked up while we were inside the diner. It was strong enough that my beard was pushed sideways. At the gate, Charlie was desperately trying to keep her shoulder-length red hair out of her face. We commiserated. Don't you love working outside? I asked her. 99% of the time, yeah. 
Have you had to walk a patrol in the snow yet? She asked. Not yet. Looks like I got here at the right time of year to just barely avoid it, I said. Hey, so, I know this isn't my place at all to ask about this. Actually, they specifically told me not to pry like this. Whatever is going on with the employees is none of my business, unless it appears to cause a threat to the security at over. But is everything okay? This is the second person that's shown up that you looked like you weren't at all happy to see. Both times, you didn't let them in. You don't have to tell me what's going on. A lot of people out here are trying to get away from something. If you're trying to get away and someone isn't letting you, just tell me and I won't let them in. You don't have to come down here and sort it out. I can take care of it for you, she said. The wholesomeness of this conversation was diminished by her hair whipping all around in the wind. I appreciate that, Charlie, but I can handle it. It's nice to have someone like you guarding the front gate. I'll be sure to let you know if there ever comes a time that I need backup. That's what I'm here for, Mikey. You take care now, she said and buzzed me into Old Brush Valley. Back at my cabin, I had plenty of things to think about. First, I took some time to feel sad about Chris Evans, the fake Wobegon game runner with the most unfortunate name. What he ended up being was an internet artist who got in over his head while working on something far more real than he bargained for when he signed up. He was both duplicitous and pathetic, but I don't think I can fault him for that without throwing stones in a glass house. He was at the whims of Wobegon as much as I was. This put him at the whims of my own violence when I thought that violence was a path to victory in the game. It was useful violence that I don't regret, but it's depressing to think of the type of life that he must have led throughout this whole ordeal. Before his involvement with my game fell apart, he had tried to convince me that he was going to try to kill Anne, and I relayed that message to her. I'm not suggesting that Anne killed him in order to keep herself safe, but if he pulled that stunt with Anne and myself, there's no telling how many other people he also tried that trick on. It might have been part of everyone's Wobegon journey, a decision that everyone is expected to make by that point in the game. If it is, there's no wonder that someone killed him. The game is almost begging the player to do so. Ryan implied that Chris had been brought back from the dead multiple times. I wonder how many times that actually means. And then when the new game runners didn't see the same utility in him that Ryan did, he just didn't come back that time. Problem solved. That loop of time is closed, at least for now. What is left is a past that some can remember and others can return to. The aesthetics surrounding a game and a technology that ethically should never have existed, but is now cursed to exist forever, and some art mostly in the form of fictional ramblings by a fictional philosopher named Eliza Schultz. Christopher Evans. As for the rest of our conversation, I think that Ryan was telling the truth. I've been taking for a ride, thinking that people are telling me the truth before, in every episode of this whole fucking show, but I don't have much of a choice if I can't develop a method to better determine which of these people are lying to me. He was definitely right about one thing. Someone appeared at Matt's house and convinced him that I was doing the right thing by completing the fourth challenge. And who else would do that but me? I like this theory. It makes sense and it would be incredible news for me if true. I am going to win the game. I am the king of Wolbegon. I am 15 steps ahead. I am 15 steps ahead of myself even. This pain is going to mean something someday. When that will be, and what will lie in between, still horrify me. I wonder what else I'm doing in the future that I've already witnessed. If I disappeared the bear, I did a lousy job of it, to be honest. Do better, Mike. Or should I say, Mikey? One clue that I had received leapt out to me when Ryan said that he could help me decipher information that I am relaying to the game runners. It's the only encrypted piece of information that I've gotten while out here the packet of alphanumeric codes that I stole from the dropbox the night that Marissa shot me. 
I couldn't even figure out if they were solvable if you didn't have the information that the code was based on. It was useless to me, and allegedly useful to the game runners, so I had to further their agenda without furthering my own. If Ryan could crack this for me and tell me what it says, then I could better hold my own out here. I can't assess the risk. Maybe I send it to Ryan and it tells him everything he needs to know in order to get the game back under his rule. I'm not even sure what that would mean for me. I don't think that he would just arbitrarily lash out at me after that. Same game, different game runner. The worst case scenario appears to be that I would be left in the dark again. I've already been left in the dark about what this document contains. In all likelihood, it will contain a puzzle piece at best, and Ryan will need me to keep investigating inside of Over and inside of Wobegon. The best case scenario is that it contains a clue to one of the central mysteries to this whole thing. Who's running the game, why the bear disappeared, who brought me back the second time, what's going on on Marissa's route, what's in the red flag cabins, what does the button do, and what's up with Hunter Hartley being at least two people. I wasn't expecting to be able to rattle everything off like that just now, but we've crossed a bunch of stuff off the list recently. So I guess I'm just going to do it. Otherwise, I'm just doing what the game orders me to, and I don't even have any insight into who might be giving those orders anymore. The thing about chess is, it doesn't matter if you can see 15 moves ahead, if you aren't going to take any offensive action. Your pieces will just get eaten up one by one until finally your king is exposed. I might only see two moves ahead, but I can try my best to ensure that those moves are clever and aggressive. And what's the worst that can happen? They'll kill me? Nice try, buddy. This isn't my first rodeo. The stronger player is always lucky, and I've gotten lucky twice at this point. What does that say about me? That I have delusions of grandeur? Yeah, right. This has been Wobegon. Next time, we're getting into it. Ryan, the game, the mystery, everything. Let's crack this thing open. Thanks for playing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.